You are listening to a three-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Living Stones. This series looks at 1 Peter 2 to learn about the type of community Jesus wants to build through local churches. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. When I was in high school, a basketball team, there was one guy who... Uh, who, who was totally like, in the, he was the best dribbler on the team, but that's really all he practiced. He just was all into dribbling and how he could handle the ball, and, and that's what he was fascinated with. I, I don't know if he wanted to be a globetrotter or what, but he was just, he was that guy. But uh, the reality is, is like everything else about what he, about basketball, he just, he couldn't shoot. Uh, he, he, terrible passer, uh, was not a team player, couldn't play defense. At the end of the day, uh, his desire to be a great dribbler actually kept him from uh, being a good basketball player uh, because the point of basketball uh, isn't to dribble, although that's important. The, the point of basketball is to score more points uh, than the other team. And I, and I bring this up because I think a lot of people view Christianity this way, is that they, uh, they, they have their favorite thing about what it, uh, about being a Christian, but they totally uh, miss the overall objective. And so you've, you've got people who, uh, I mean, they're all about, uh, you know, their favorite part about being a Christian is, is serving the financially poor, or, or it's understanding, you know, the Bible, or, or maybe it's teaching the Bible, or maybe it's prayer, or maybe it's something else, but they totally blank on uh, the, the big plot. And I um, just want to be clear, I mean, things like prayer and, and knowing the Bible and, and, and social justice are, are hugely uh, important. I mean, in fact, they are essential. Uh, but God's goal isn't to make you masters of theology. It isn't to make you masters of learning. It isn't even to make you masters of, of social justice. God's big picture is to, he, he wants to make you a part of his people. God's goal for your life is to make you a part of his people. When, when uh, God came to Abraham, uh, if those were in Sunday school, Father Abraham, you could read about him in Genesis 12. Uh, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, means beginning, so it's in the beginning. And so in chapter 12, uh, God comes to Abraham and he says, this was the invitation to him. I want to make you a part of the new nation. I'm going to start with you. Come with me, leave your family. You're going to come and we're going to start a new nation uh, together. And by faith, the Bible says that he signed up for that. And this theme is carried all throughout the Old Testament about God gathering this people and showing him how he wanted them to be. And uh, it was a physical picture of what God wanted to do ultimately uh, spiritually. And, and that is that he didn't, wasn't just after one physical nation, uh, but what he wants, he wants a slice from every single nation, every tribe and tongue to, to gather a people of his own uh, possession. And so Jesus comes on the scene. And what was Jesus primarily doing? Well, uh, was he, yeah, he was teaching and he was doing miracles, of course, but big picture, what he was doing was gathering this new community. In fact, in his first message, he declares to them, hey, you are a, you are a city. Uh, you are a people. Uh, you are a new flock. And then in Matthew 16, it kind of crescendos. And he says, I will build my church. I am building my church. And not even the gates of hell will prevail against us. That word church just means congregation. It means this is my people. I'm going to build my people. I'm going to build this new nation. I'm going to build my new community. And nothing in the world is going to stop it. And then Jesus 
he, uh, he went to the cross and he died for our sins and he was buried and he rose to new life and he's ascended uh, to the right hand of the Father. And, and as the, the, these community, these disciples gathered together, uh, what Jesus said would happen, happened. And that is the Holy Spirit came and, and flooded them uh, on the day of Pentecost. And, and, and Peter began to preach on the heels of that and, and encouraging people to, be, to repent and be baptized, to be saved. And... Um, and uh, it says 3,000 were added. In fact, let me just show you this verse in Acts 2. Uh, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. In that verse, there are two very key questions that I think every human being on the face of the earth needs to have a good answer for. And I hope you do. Number one is, are you saved? Are you saved? What does it mean? Well, if, if you were out in the ocean and you were drowning and, you know, the lifeguard lady came and, and grabbed you out of uh, the water and brought you to safety, you would say that she saved you. If you were uh, bleeding on the side of the road, bleeding out and on, about to die and a doctor comes, sews you up, makes you better, you would say that that doctor saved you. Well, the scriptures say that we are born with this condition of sin. And that the, the result of this condition of sin and this activity of sin leads to death. And we need to be saved from that. And so are you, have you been saved by Jesus? Have you been saved from the jaws of death? So that's a very key question that individually we all need to answer. There is an individual call of God. He individually called Abraham. He individually calls you. But the, he, he adds you. What does he add you to? Well, he adds you to this new city. He adds you to this new community. He adds you to this new people. So, hey, are you saved here this morning? If not, you could take care of that today. I want to give you that opportunity. The other key question is, have you been added? Are you added? Because you, what this scripture says in, in 1 uh, Peter 2, because Peter, uh, when he writes this, when he looks back at all of what God does uh, throughout the scriptures, and, and as he reflects back on how the early church got started, and hey, I remember when I preached and all these people came to Jesus, what he says, what I, what I, what I noticed about people, it says in verse 4, as you come to him, as you come to Jesus, this is what he does. He builds you together like living stones into a spiritual house. That when you come to Jesus, as you get near to Jesus, you get nearer to people. He connects you to people. So uh, your individual efforts, your reading the Bible, your individual prayer, all those kinds of things. Um, God doesn't just want you to do these things as like this guy did, like dribbling the basketball off, you know, off in the corner somewhere as if that's the goal. What he wants for, for you, he wants to bring you into his goal, which is to be a part of his new people. This is so huge. It, it's clear in scripture that he wants us, but it's also just clear as we kind of notice life that, that we are created with this uh, profound need and desire to be in relationship. Sin has torn us apart, but deep within us, we have this desire to relate. That's why when you're in a new social setting and you feel a little bit awkward, you're not, you don't feel awkward because you're not sure you like them. That's really not the question you have. You feel awkward because you're not sure they like you. And whether you care to admit it or not, you want them to like you and you feel awkward because you're not sure that they do. Um, when I take our kids to the park, uh, the, it, when they meet someone new, I mean within like an hour or so, 
I mean, they're friends. We, we had this couple in from uh, Louisville. They're, they're, they want to plant a church with us out in the Denver area. And my little girl, Josie, she came like, they became like, almost like best friends within a couple hours. So let me show you this picture. This is the two of them. Isn't that sweet? That is so precious. That's like after an hour. There's something about when, so when, she, when they see each other, there's something was in them that says, I think I was meant to relate to you. I, I think, I, I, I think I'm supposed to know you. I think I'm supposed to be your, there's something deep within humanity that, that, that says that. Um, in life, if I was to ask you, what are your happiest moments? No question about it, they include people. Uh, the day um, your child was born, the day you got married, maybe um, a special trip with some family or friends. Your happiest moments include people. Your saddest moments include people. The loss of a loved one. Uh, maybe someone you know got hurt or maybe someone you know and love hurt you. This, our happiest moments and our saddest moments include other people. In the movie Castaway, uh, it was just a movie, uh, but the, the, the character Tom Hanks played, um, he, was, uh, he was alone on this desert island, and it just about uh, drove him literally insane. In fact, he, he, the, the need for community and relationship was so profound, he made up a friend called Wilson, which was a volleyball, but it was his friend. And... Um, and, and it just speaks to this desire because the truth is we all have a profound need for community. We'll do anything to get it. We'll do anything to keep it and we'll go crazy without it. Uh, it's the way God has wired us. He's designed it that way. He has a purpose for your life. And the reason why he's hardwired you to want to connect with people because his purpose for you is not individual. His purpose for you is corporate. His purpose for you isn't that you would have all these individual spiritual experiences that you would come and hear teaching, that you would go off in a room by yourself and read your Bible and pray, although those are very important. If that's all your Christian life is those are just spiritual experiences but it's not the big idea of what God wants you to do the Bible says that as you come to Jesus what he wants to do he wants to build you tighter and tighter and tighter with a community of people and God has made this very plain to us some people think like somehow man God's what God wants for my life is just this great mystery it's 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 you know I'm, I'm not really sure what God wants me to do and it's only a mystery. It's only elusive to us because we make it mysterious and elusive. And the reason why it's such a mystery to us is because we're seeking to find out my, I'm seeking to find out my purpose. But Jesus is so clear. If you seek yourself, you will lose yourself. But if you die to yourself and buy into what I want to invite you into, man, you'll find yourself. The, 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 the purpose of God for our life, the big, he is, this is not mysterious. It's not elusive. It's very clear. He wants you to make you a part of his family. Uh, he is a father and he's after a people of every tribe, every tongue, every, he, of all nations, of all people groups, all shapes, all sizes. And he wants you to be a part. That is your purpose. The things that God wants to be clear, that he wants us to be clear on, he's made very clear to us. 
and the things that, quite frankly, are none of our business, those are the things that are a little fuzzy, although those are the things that we tend to chase after. There are things about the Bible and Christianity that are okay to be a little bit confusing, a little bit mysterious. Like, it's okay that you're a little bit confused on exactly how the end times are going to shake out. If that's confusing to you, it's okay for you to continue to be a little bit confused by that. That's okay. He's not made that clear. If you're confused about, well, how does the church and Israel all kind of work together and da-da, you're a little confused by that. That's okay that you're a little bit confused by that. If you're confused about precisely how God created the earth, that's okay that you're a little bit confused by that. The, the big picture is that he created it, but somehow he made the details a little bit unclear. It's okay that you're unclear. You don't need to spend all of your life trying to figure that out. Like some guy off in the corner trying to figure out how to perfect his dribbling and miss the big picture of what God's trying to do. And that is he wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to be a part of his people. He wants to build you into a local body of believers that you yourselves are like li- living stones built brick upon brick, life upon life, mortared together by his spirit. Do not be, you can be confused about the end times, Israel and creation and other things, but do not be confused about this, that he wants to, you to be a part of a community. And so because we are pro-Jesus at Jubilee Church and our desire is to move toward Jesus because our desire is to m- move near him and we, want to, we know that as we come to him, uh, as Peter says, that as we come to him, he's going to build us tighter and tighter in community and he's going to build us tighter in community but he is also going to expand our community which I know seems like a, a, par- a bit of a paradox. Because we know that, we kind of like want to set the church up for that activity to happen. And so like a check engine light that goes off when your car is wrong, when we realize that we are not being built in tighter and tighter in community, and when our community isn't uh, moving out in concentric circles, it's kind of like an uh uh-oh moment for us. Because the Bible says if we move closer to Jesus, we're going to move closer to people. So if we're not moving closer to people, maybe that's a sign to us that we're actually not moving closer to Jesus. We may be having spiritual experiences, but we're not actually following Jesus. Because it's as we come to him, he builds us tighter and tighter. This is what it says in Habakkuk, which I know you all been curious about. Is, uh, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So this is God, this, this is God saying, hey, I, I want to make something plain. And here's why he wants to make it plain. So that, he may run who, so that he may run who reads it. So here's what that's saying. It's saying, there are things, there are things that God wants to make so plain to you. And here's why he wants to make it so plain. Because he wants you to run hard after it. He wants... Why is Jubilee always talking about community? Well, I, I assure you, I assure you, I assure you it has nothing to do with me. I, and those, the ones giggling are the ones that know me. It has nothing to do with my personality or my bent. I mean, some of you are social and you're more the merrier and I'm kind of more, more the scarier. Like I'm more like, like I'm on that train. And so like I, but what I'm convinced of, here's what I'm convinced of. What I'm convinced of is that this has been made plain to me. This has been marked on stone. And here's why God made it so plain to you. 
He made it so plain to you so that you would run after it. That you would make your life, that, as, that you would make your life about building community, about being built into community and building community. Because that's what God's doing. And as you come to him, that's what happens. And so what, what I want to do over these uh, next few weeks, and these messages are very much tied together, um, is to, to kind of spell out the vision of, of the, the scriptures as relates to community and the new community. Uh, and, it, and it's in this text that we uh, read in First Peter 2. And that is, number one, Jesus builds us into community. He builds us and he makes us a chosen race. Uh, he makes us a people of his own possession. But he also uh, wants to make us builder of community. That we are to collectively proclaim the excellencies. That we are those who, have, uh, who are once um, had not received mercy and now we've received mercy. And he's built us together as a community. And as a community, we, pro- we, we collectively proclaim his excellencies and see, man, what has he done in my heart? I was off kind of purposeless doing my own thing and then I realized that as I came to Jesus, he made me a part of his family. This thing that he's been wanting to do ever since the garden, he's actually doing in me and he's weaving me together with another body of believers. And that is the purpose that God has for your life. If you're not on that train, I just, I, I, want, to, I want to serve you warning that you're not on the Jesus train. And I hope that you get on that this morning. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. And I want to talk about the community because I see, I want to see, talk about that. We're going to talk about the community in three basic ways over the next three weeks. That number one, that it's, it's very cohesive. It's very tight. It's very close. It's very communal. It's cohesive. But yet paradoxically, it's also hyper-inclusive. And then it's also intentional. Meaning like we're to be tight and we're to be close and so we're to be uh, cohesive. We're also to be inclusive, which means, yeah, sure, you can join us. But we're not just to be like, yeah, sure, you can join us. But actually, somehow we're meant to go out in the highways and byways and be out amongst culture and participants in culture and serving culture. Which means that we don't create our own coffee shops, but we go to the coffee shops that everybody else goes to. We don't create our own um, sports teams within the community, but we go and we engage in other sports teams, that we're participants, that we're not to be salt and salt shakers, but we're meant to be salt that gets spread out into community. And so we want to talk about how we're going to be um, intentional. But today I want to spend the rest of our time, um, what does it mean to be a spiritual house? What does it mean to be this cohesive? Because it's talking about a spiritual house, and a spiritual house uh, means temple, that collectively, that we are the temple of God, that we are the place, as it says in the Psalms, that, we're, that the presence of God inhabits, that he inhabits the praises of his people. Like we are, the, the old temple was a physical building where uh, uh, the spirit of God, the presence of God dwells. Now we, the church, are the temple, that we are where God dwells. And then it says that these stones, um, it says, you yourselves like living stones are being built as a spiritual house. And now this is a present progressive, which means that it's a continuing action, that you are being built. It's not a one time like, hey, when you come to Jesus, you join a church and you sit there. This is something that God is progressively doing in your life, which means that it's not like, hey, uh, you know, were you added? Yeah, I joined a church 20 years ago. No, no. 
what it means, it means that you are progressively being built in, which means that now you're more built in than you were a year ago. And I'm, the work of God is to build you, to build you, to build you more and more into community. Uh, some obvious things in this is that A, Jesus is the builder, uh, which means that he decides our shape. He decides who, what gifts we are and how we function. He also decides uh, our place in the building, in the wall. Uh, you know, some people think, well, you know, I decide, you know, I decide what I want to do and I decide where I go and this is the kind of church. I, no, it's very clear that Jesus in his sovereignty and his love, because he knows you better than you know you, he molded you, he shaped you in your mother's womb, says in Psalm 139, and he, ha- he knows exactly how you fit in. He knows exactly how you fit in. So I just want to encourage you to go ahead and be like, not ask the question, what do I want to do and where do I, it's like, God, what do you have for me? I, I, believe, you're, I believe you're here for a reason. I believe that you, there, there's a place that God has for you that he wants to fit you in in a specific spot in this house. Um, his desire is to build you tighter and tighter. In to, if you think about a wall, like you see these stones here. Like if you're this stone right here, all these stones up here depend on you. And so if you shake, they shake. But the same, uh, on the same token, you depend on all these stones down here. So if they shake, you shake. Here's what the scriptures are saying. Yes, you can get teaching. Yes, you can have these individual spiritual experiences. But here's how you know that you're really connecting to Jesus is that are you so built into the house of God that if you were to leave, the place would shake? Or someone else was to leave, you would shake. Does that mean that we're dependent upon other people? No, it, we're, we're ultimately dependent on God. But the way he's wired things is that we work independently. That somehow he's partner us together. There's a, there's a word, there's a Bible word that people mistake for social hour. It's called fellowship. It's like, hey, you know, let's fellowship. Like, let's, like, let's have some small talk. That's what people mean, but it's actually not what that word means. The Greek word actually means partnership or joint venture. That to, to have fellowship means that we are in a partnership together, that we are in a joint venture together. And in a partnership, if, if one of the partners is doing, if the partnership is doing well, you're doing well. If the partnership isn't doing well, you're not doing well. And what God wants to do with you is he wants to peg you to other people's success. And he wants to peg you, I know this is scary, to other people's failures. Which is why Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, says, hey, when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one uh, mourns, we all mourn. Why? Because we are in a partnership together. We are in fellowship together. We are in a joint venture together. That, we are, that you are pegged to me and I am pegged to you because we are both pegged to Jesus. And what it means to be pegged to Jesus, what it means to have this fellowship, and that word fellowship is actually used to describe even the relationship that, the, that Jesus the Son has with, with God the Father. That they have this fellowship. And the same fellowship that he had, Jesus prayed that we would have. That was his dying prayer. Make them one, just as we are one. We are this connected joint venture, Father. Make them the same. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring you together in this tight, tight partnership. Um, in the West, this is just so difficult for to get our heads around because um, we have this 
thirst for, it, it, we have this thirst for independence. How many here, I'll say it this way, how many here have seen the, the, the movie Hotel Rwanda? It's, it's, you got to be a little older to see it maybe. Um, the, in that movie, it's, it's, it's an awesome movie. You should watch the movie. Don't watch it with your kids, but it's an awesome movie to watch. And it, and it talks about this, this, inc- this incident, this period of time in 94. I mean, it's called like the African Holocaust. It's, it's just, it's a, if, you, if you don't know about it, you need to, 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 to read it. And, or to watch it, or read it, whatever. Um, but the, in that movie, there's this line where... Um, that, that, well, CNN, like the, some, some American news reporters came in, it was, it was actually CNN, they came in and they were, uh, had, they had cameras and all this, and the guy who was running the hotel, uh, he, said, uh, he said, oh, this is awesome, because now you're going to broadcast, and Americans are going to see this, and when Americans see this, they're going to come to our aid. And the CNN reporter says, man, I've got to be honest with you. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to watch this on the 6 o'clock news uh, while they're eating their dinner, and they're going to say how horrible, change the channel to Frasier and continue eating. And that's exactly what happened. Here, here, here's the problem. The, under, the ugly underbelly of individualism in America um, is that the insensitive and insensitivity we have to the hurting, the broken, and the wounded... Um, but the problem with that kind of thinking is one of these days it's going to be your daughter in the hospital. It's gonna be, you're gonna the one who's going to lose your job. You're going to the one who's going to be needy. And the scripture says that we are called not to think that way. That I know it's very American to think that way, but it's not very Christian to think that way. It's not like Jesus to think that way. Psalms talks about how God kind of threw out creation like this garment. And sin came with its knife and it tore us into all these individual threads. And now we think that life is found in the strength of the thread. But it's not. That is the effect of sin. What, what God's intention for us is to be woven together tight, more t- in all different colors to show the beauty of what he's trying to do. And, and, and woven tightly together to show the strength of what he wants to do. And the beauty isn't in the thread. The beauty is in how they're woven together. Sin separates that, but the blood of Jesus wants us to weave us together to where when you are mourning, I am mourning. And when you are rejoicing, I am rejoicing because we are in fellowship, that we have this partnership, that we have this membership. We are connected to each other, brick upon brick, life upon life. The beauty is in the garment. It's not in the thread. The beauty is in the building. It's not in the bricks. You know, you go downtown and one of the buildings you'll see a plaque on is the Wainwright building, which, which was the first skyscraper. And on that, it talks about the, the you know, the, the, the vision of, of Wainwright and, and the, the height and how he did this and no one thought he could and he did and what an amazing building this is. There's not one thing on there about how amazing the bricks are. When there's a pile of bricks, you can go down to the riverfront. There's no pile of bricks that you'll find where you'll see a plaque and say, man, look at these bricks. They're amazing bricks. The beauty is in how the builder puts the bricks together, life upon life, held together, mortared by his spirit. If you're chasing after yourself, you're just on the wrong path. If you're wondering what God has for me, you're just on the wrong path. 
God wants to convert you away from he, he wants to convert you from being an American and he wants to convert you into his new people which is not a strive for independence but it's a striving for interdependence that's why it says which, which actually we can grieve the Holy Spirit Ephesians 4.30 says that we grieve the Holy Spirit when we slander, when we gossip. Why? Because it tears down, it creates division between me and you. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. That word grieve means to wound, that we wound the Spirit. Why? Because the work of the Holy Spirit is to draw us together. And you're doing things that are tearing us apart. So it wounds the Spirit. So that's why when we're, we're, we're into partnership. We're into, uh, that means we share struggles, we share decisions, we share, share homes, gifts, money, time. Why would I do that? Because you're, you're, I'm pegged to your success and I'm, pe- and I'm pegged to your shortcomings. And, and then it says, so we become this spiritual house and to be a, a, a holy priesthood. And I'll be brief with this, but it means that, simply put, we bring Jesus to each other. We, we bring Jesus to one another. And we do that a few different ways. We do that with the word of God. We do that through prayer. We do that through the breaking of bread and worship. And those are just a few of the things that when you read about this early church community and acts that you see, first of all, with the word of God, that we bring the word of God to bear. That, that as, we, as we grow in God's word, that we grow in our togetherness because it's, it's the authority of our life. So, who, you know, who cares what you think and who cares what I think? What we really want to figure out here is what God thinks. And so the word of God becomes our authority and as it becomes our authority, we draw closer and closer together. And here's the thing, we all have authority. We, we all have an authority that we're working off of. Um, I turned 40 this year. And uh, if I, when I think back to when I was 30, 10 years ago, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was 30, I, I thought I was kind of, I kind of arrived. Like I, like I knew what I was doing. And, um, you know, like I, um, you know, I just started leading this church. And I felt, yeah, of course they picked me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've got some things going on here. And, um, but 10 years later, I look at, you know, 40-year-old Brian looks at 30-year-old Brian and think, man, that kid was a moron. Like, there's some, that kid was dumb. And, and uh, as I look back, if I could get like in a flux capacitor and go back in time or something like that, I would say, Brian, oh, please don't do that. Please don't make that decision. Please don't say that. Please don't wear that. Please don't, don't, don't do that. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I, I keep thinking like, well, yeah, okay, that was, you know, because if I, when I was 30, I could look back when I was 20 and think, okay, when I was 20, I was a moron, but now that I'm 30, I'm arrived, and when I get to 33, I figure out, like, I'm, you know, I look back at 30, now that's more. Every year I go, I still look back, every, not just every 10 years, but every five years, and even last year, that, man, I just, I was just, I didn't know what I thought I knew. I couldn't understand what I thought I understood. Um... And I know you guys are just smart, beautiful, well-adjusted people. But the reality is, like, the reality is, if you could, I think it's true for all of us, that when we look back, not just 10 years, but five years, or even one year, that we look back and say, man, if I knew better, I would have done things differently. So if that's true, could it not be true that a year from now that we'll think what we're doing today is a little dumb? Why in the world would you base your life on what is dumb? Why not base your life upon what is 
true and what is real. Because the Bible says that even when, uh, that when we base our life on the scriptures, that even when, even when short term we think we got it wrong, we get it right. Because somehow in God's wisdom, because he knows how this whole thing ends, somehow in this, his wisdom, he guides us down a path. It's this word called predestined, which means to predetermine our end. That you may go through, you may, you know, you may spend a few nights with the pigs, you may find yourself in the belly of a whale, but God's going to get you where he wants to get you. And as you submit to what he wants to do, and you make him the authority, man, life just takes on, uh, I mean, it's just, you're just less anxious, you're less into yourself, you're less prideful. It's awesome. And so we, we say we want to make God's word his authority. And in making God's word his authority, it's not just how I see the Bible, because this is a huge point. It's how we see um, the scriptures. Um, I've, got, um, I've got this friend named Bo Noonan, which some of you have met. He was actually here in February and he preached. My wife will tell you uh, that, that I laugh more around Bo. I laugh around Bo, Bo. Bo makes me laugh in a way that I don't laugh around anyone else. Uh, there's something about what he does or what he says or how he looks. I don't know what it is. There's something that just makes, I love you both for watching. There's something about him that just makes me laugh in a way. And what she would say is when I'm around Bo, she doesn't get less of me. She gets more of me. Which means, and if that's true with individuals, how much more true of it is with God that somehow we just have this narrow slice of how we see God. Let me show you something in 1 Corinthians 2. For who has understood the mind of the Lord? Man, it's just so mysterious and confusing. But we have the mind of Christ. And I, and I want you to like underline and circle and highlight and magnify that word we. Because it never says, but I have the mind of Christ. You don't have the mind of Christ on your own. But we do. See, the way God's wired it, and I'm going back to my introduction. The way God's wired the universe is to make us need each other. There's only one individual that supremely stands on his own without sin and his name starts with J and ends with S. Some of you still trying to forget Jesus, okay? <laughs> Who is this person? But we together have the mind of Christ. Um, because we just have a slice. And the way God's wired is that we kind of all work together to become something that on our own we wouldn't naturally be. Like I know some of you. Some of you are, um, I mean, when it comes to the word of God, I mean, you just, you love to, you love to go deep. You love to, to read it over, not just over and over again, but you want to understand it. You get into the language. You just go deep with it. And, and uh, you love to debate about it. And, um, you know, it's, it's awesome that your way, I mean, it's, it, it, um, it's awesome. Um, a little dry at times, but awesome. And so, but then you have, there's some of us who are like, so that's person A. Person A loves the word, goes deep, 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 super deep. And then you have person B over here who's smiling and just happy and giggly and singing and, you know, maybe doesn't, he doesn't know, that doesn't go very deep, but man, they are singing. I mean, they're just, they're singing <laughs> And they're happy, not me, other people. And they're happy and, and uh, here's what I found out. Person A on their own will dry up. Person B on their own will blow up. But person A and person B will grow up together. The way that God works this together. Thank you. The way God, come on. 
the way God, the God, the way God, I want to finish too. The way God wants to, he brings us together to, you know, it talks about iron sharpened iron, that we kind of like bump up each other and like knock, knock off the rough edges. And some of you are, are just, in your individualistic self, are too blind to see that you have rough edges to knock off. That you need that. And I need that. We all need that. It's a whole thing, just like some of us in community, community, like I said, some of us are more the merrier, some of us are more the scarier. And so we need, some of us who just want to go wide, wide, wide with relationships need to learn from some of us who want to go deep, deep, deep with relationships. And we, and we kind of grow together. So we're not the contemplative church and we're not the out of our mind church, but we want to be like the, the, the biblical one, which, is, which basically means that we learn that we, we just have this profound understanding that we need to be together and that our understanding of even the scripture needs to happen in community. 81% of Christians believe they can have a flourishing relationship with God apart from the church. All I can say to that is that is a God that you have made up in your head. And with all the love in my heart, you may be having spiritual experiences, but if you are not being built more deeply and more profoundly into community, I'm telling you, not based upon what I think and based upon uh, but it's based upon the persuasion of what scripture says that we need to be built in community. So the word does that. We do that with prayer, um, with communion, breaking, the bre- breaking of bread and, and, share, and even sharing actual meals together um, through our worship and our connection with God. You know, the Bible says things like sing to each other. Why would we sing? I thought we sing to God. Why are we singing to each other? You know, we're not singing how great, you know, you are or I am. We're seeing how great God is, but somehow we're seeing how great God is to each other. Because, and, and when we do that, when we worship, when we sing to each other about who God is, it draws us together. Because as we come to him, we, we are built up into this spiritual house these, all the, and so we want to organize our community around that. So when we organize community groups or even Sunday, we want, we want the word in there. We want prayer in there. Um, you know, we want to break bread together. We want to have meals together. We want to be together daily um, in the temple as well as in our homes. And our life needs to spill over like that into each other's worlds that way because after all, we're a part of a fellowship. We're, we're a joint venture. We're a partnership. It's not just some isolated Christian experience that you have one day a week or God forbid two days a week but actually our entire lives kind of milled together in this cohesive way and it's absolutely amazing and the only way that we'll live like this um, is if we make Jesus our cornerstone because we're talking about extreme cohesiveness but paradoxically next week we'll talk about extreme inclusiveness and, and, and actually not just saying you can be a part of us but, but going outside the four walls and the highways and byways and inviting uh, people in. The only way that we can keep this straight and the only way that we have a chance of building this community isn't even focusing on the community because we could just become some social club. You know, the, the, you know it's not... It's not enough just to have a few laughs together we're called into something more profoundly but what draws us together is that is that we come authentically to jesus and we make him our cornerstone what is a cornerstone a cornerstone is that part in the building that all the other stones take their cue from 
that if it's the way it's angled, the way it's shaped, all the other stones take their cue of. And the thing about a cornerstone, like the foundation, if, it's, if, the, if the cornerstone isn't sure, then it messes up the entire building. But if the cornerstone is sure, then it, the building is, is secure. And we all need to collectively and individually make Jesus our cornerstone. And here's the thing about all of, that's true of all of us. You may, I don't know if you're a Christian here, but I do know that all of us have a cornerstone. All of us are building our lives on something. All of us are building, it may not be Jesus, but it may be, it may be, it may be relationships himself. It may be your family. It, it may be your job. It may be your career. You know, I read an interesting article about seven years ago. Fascinating. There is a, a psychiatrist, believe it or not, whose specialty was counseling Ivy League students who got C's. That's what, that was her specialty. And here's what, I, any, if you go to an Ivy League school, uh, you, you were valedictorian of your, I mean, you, you always got A's. And so uh, now all of a sudden you're in an Ivy League school and some people get A's, some people get B's, and some people get C's. And those who got C's had built their entire life around, they built their cornerstone, they built their life upon this idea that I'm smart. And now that their cornerstone has been shaking, they've been shaking. What the Bible says, if you make Jesus your cornerstone, you'll never shake. You'll never be put to shame. If he's accepted by the Father, you'll be accepted by the Father. If you're beautiful before the Father, you're be- you'll be beautiful before the Father. How do you make Jesus your cornerstone? Well, it says it right here. It says that you make him precious. Rejected by men, but God, but in God, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. If I... Um, if, if you had this terminal, what does it mean to make somebody precious, make something precious? If you had this terminal disease, but there, there was this pill that you could take that would get rid of the disease. Um, but this pill was, is very expensive. And to get this pill to save your life, you would have to sell your house and, you know, move in with someone or you'd have to sell your car and walk or take the bus. You'd have to sell your possessions. You'd have to sell your retirement so you couldn't have retirement anymore. To which you would say, well, what good is retirement? What good is a car? What good is a house if you're dead? So yes, I will, buy, I will do all that for this pill. That pill is precious to you. How you make Jesus your cornerstone is you can't, it's not just that you say, it's not just that you say Jesus is my number one. It's that you make him precious in your life. Which means that if you have everything but don't have him, you have nothing. If you have nothing but you have him, you have everything. Jesus tells this parable about the pearl of great price. It was this guy who sold everything, uh, who found this pearl in this land. And he sold everything he had to go buy this land so he could have this pearl. What, in, what is it in your life that you would sell everything to have? That's what's precious to you. That's what you're building on. And as we as a community, if we can more than anything build our life upon the cornerstone that is Jesus, more than anything, if we can make Jesus the one who is precious, man, what a place to be a part of. And we need that because we need to encourage each other. We need to spur each other on, as it says in Hebrews, to love and good deeds, to, to prize Christ because some days my heart is there and some days my heart isn't. And I need brothers to come alongside me and point me back to Jesus. It's a community thing. And a community like that isn't looking to themselves, but it's, it's looking to others. And don't you want to be a part of a community where people aren't thinking about themselves but are thinking about you? 
Wouldn't that be a great place to be a part of? Wouldn't it be a great place to be a part of to where, you know, when you're sad, they're sad with you? When you're happy, they're happy with you? Only Jesus can build that kind of community, and we will only have that community if we make Jesus our cornerstone.